You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. We are with David Toflon, and David is a good, good friend of mine. We've been friends for, I don't know, what? Uh, 14 years. No. <laughs> uh, 2000 it's close. 2007, the fall, no. 11. 2011. 11. Yeah. So 10 years. Yeah, 2011. 10 yeah, years. 10 years. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, 10 years. Um, that's, that's a long time. And we have gone through a lot of ups and downs and a lot of transitions and whatnot. And uh, the reason we have you on, David, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, you're a pretty smart guy. <laughs> and part of your job is helping people find their story and then utilize mm-hmm. that story for branding, marketing, that sort of thing. But we're taking it a little bit of a different direction today. But first, if you could describe yourself in three words, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> Ooh. discerning, mm-hmm. excited, and family oriented. Oh, okay. Those are good words. words. Those four? Yeah. One was hyphenated. Hyphenated. (laughs) We'll allow it. We'll allow it. You're a copywriter. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So speaking of, what what is it that you, can you describe a little bit of what you do with your clients Mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing? And then we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it centers around clarity for me. So my six-year-old who's into Legos asked me what I do and I tell him I build things with words and he, he gets it. And that makes sense to me. And so I build businesses with words. I have two people that kind of come to me. It's somebody who has a unique concept and they really want to explain it in a clear and concise way. Or I have somebody that does just does it better and they want to differentiate themselves from the pack. Hmm. So yeah, those are kind of the two clients. I'll take them through a brand script, which we'll talk about later. And we arrive at Clarity together. And I just try and use insightful questions using the framework to extract those gold nuggets and then craft it into a narrative that they can feel comfortable sharing. And it's intrinsic, intuitive to them. And they feel good about sharing. And then they see people's eyes light up and they're like, oh, I've been trying to say this for like six years and mm-hmm. I haven't been able to until now. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that means a lot. Mm-hmm. It means a lot yeah. for me. So. And full disclosure, I am a, a client of <laughs> yes. David. So he helped me launch Type Trail. Yes. Love which it. has uh, did, been Drew, fantastic. did your eyes light up? Did they My, sparkle? They've sparkled so many times. <laughs> but no, I can attest that that's what, that is what he does. And yeah. He helped me figure out some things that, especially as a you know a college prof and academic, I may may or may not be prone to m- more words to a point where it's not helpful. <laughs> like writing a book. <laughs> and uh, and David helped me. Yeah, really get some clarity. Yeah, so I, so I guess some of you may be wondering why are we why are we talking about marketing and brand scripts and all that other stuff. Um it will make more sense as we go along, but David is a certified story brand guide. I believe that's the correct title, right? We were talking the other day and I, it kind of clicked for me, especially with the the season theme being about story. Mm-hmm. This is such a clear framework that helps name aspects of story that are really important. And I uh, and I saw some useful tools that we could use to help um, with the three purposes mm-hmm. of this season, which is knowing your story, knowing what stories mm-hmm. to drop, and then un- knowing and understanding the stories of others. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's start, David, could you give give us a quick overview <clears throat> of the, the story brand brand script? And then we're going to take some of those some of those aspects and kind of mm-hmm. expand it into more Enneagram, personal growth, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I, I start my conversations about brand scripts by reminding people why story matters. And it matters because we're alive. I mean, we are in a story. Mm. And if you're listening to this and you are not alive, I would love to talk to you. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that context then gives them this idea of, okay, 
Like I, yeah, yeah, there is a story. And for especially in business or in life, we have this idea that we want to create a new story or control a story or rediscover a story. Mm. And for those who are lost, at least in their mind, I try and remind my clients, like, we're not here to recover something. We're here to rediscover it. You Mm. haven't lost something. You haven't lost a story because you're not the great story. You are inside of the story Mm. and you have a role to play in that story. But let's like, let's, let's go rediscover what's already there. Let's extract this. Mm -hmm. And the best kind of brand scripts are the ones that we arrive at insights together and we walk along rather than try and force these words because we're all tempted to create a story that we like outside of ourselves and go just mimic that story especially in with my clients and that just puts a disservice on the uniqueness of who they are and what they can offer Mm -hmm. so like with drew you know and and going through with with you drew like having the first part of it i don't know if you remember but we started with the aspirational identity of who Mm -hmm. you're trying to reach yeah, And that's the first step in all this is the character transformation hmm. is who are they trying to be based on what you can offer. So people buy things, people do things to become who they want to be. Hmm. And nobody wakes up and goes, no offense to you, but like, oh, I need to get on type drill today. No, they go, <laughs> I want to be this person right. in my life. And they buy those things. So that starting with that has been really helpful. So this is a, so this is like a I guess a first lead in into aspirational identity and that sort of thing and this this speaks to type strategy to our types right is we have an idealized image of who it is that we are supposed to be or we want to be or we have a an idea of what we want and then we use mm-hmm. our type to get to that thing. So mm-hmm. David what what is important about the aspirational identity that it's not an outcome. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's not a destination. We're addicted to that outcome, yeah. and I have to. People will say, "I want to achieve this. I want to become this." And if we measure it that way, maybe for a season there will. I but otherwise, it it um it can dismantle really quickly. Hmm. So the aspirational identity is more about reconciliation between the light and the dark sides of your story or in business between what you can offer and what you hope to offer somebody. And um, then it's just a continuation of living. It's, it's more fluid. It's more, yeah, I'm sure you guys better words for that, but yeah, not the outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I think in connecting it with kind of the work that we try to do with the Enneagram, I think I, I encounter so many people who have kind of come to the the end of themselves with their type, right? And 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 so their aspirational identity is I want to be someone else entirely, mm-hmm. right? And because I don't like these aspects about me that I keep kind of bumping up against, right? And what you're saying is something different, right? An aspirational identity is not something like over here, external that, you know, we kind of have to strive towards this far out destination, right? It's, it is, I think you did use the term uh, rediscovery, right? Hmm. And, and I think that is, that's good kind of identity work, right? It's rediscovering who we are in a way that we, we kind of like ourselves, right? And yeah. realize that, hey, it's not all bad, you know, there's there's some real there's some real goodness here to work with. So I think that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it anchors it to the present that there is something there's something like now is just as important as the future for your business or for your life. The people that surround you are no the clients that you serve, the customers that you serve are no more important tomorrow than they are today. Mm-hmm. It, it, time with them does not make them more worth it to you. So that that's really key when trying to anchor an aspirational identity back to the present is to go like people do not grow in worth just because you spend more time with them in the future, mm-hmm. but they're important to you now because they belong to you. Think of family. Yeah, there're days you love and accept better or like 
better. But as I tell my sons, like you belong in this family. I love you. You are not working for my approval, but from an existing love and approval that I already give mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. So when it comes to the importance of story, I, why is it important for someone to know their story? Yeah. And it's important for somebody to know their story because it gives them context. It doesn't just give them direction and like, hey, here's the end goal. To re-understand your story gives you that context to say, what am I doing today? What am I looking for in myself? What things am I measuring myself by as well? That's a huge question Hmm. is like, how do I measure my day? What is a good day? Hmm. What is a good day in business? And to, to understand your story helps you to have that that thing to measure by mm-hmm. uh, for what, you know, what today is worth or what to measure a good day. Cause for me, it cannot be a to-do list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I just, if my day is measured by the story of efficiency as a seven, Oh man, like I could get a hundred things done and have zero percentage of my emotional capacity left for my family but I finished my tasks and I finished them twice as fast as you did. Hmm. But it is still in the end a loss for me if my sons don't have that emotional connection with me at the end hmm. of the day. So story helps you know what you value. Yeah. Is that, yeah. would that be accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The story is not the savior. I think that's really key is especially in my line of work. It's like, Hey, there's this story. And we're like, if once we get this, I will feel great about my life. Mm. (laughs) And that's just not how a story works. Because a story, Abram, we've talked about this so many times, like holding the joy and the sorrow together and how important that is for me. And it just is this, a good story is not one where you know the happy ending in the first five minutes. Mm. So I think of like the story of Up. The first five minutes of Up are by far one of my favorite stories of all time in mm. animated. Like that's it. Before the whole story starts, the whole sequence of them growing up together, growing old together, not having babies together, um, the sadness and the sorrow, it was still endearing in a way mm-hmm. that set up a context for the rest of the, of the, of the movie. So story is not the savior. I think what, we're tr- what I'm trying to get at is we, we've talked a little bit about like what do you what do you do if you don't know your type and mm-hmm. how can you still kind of see what maybe what's what are some better questions um strategic questions to ask yourself to at least understand what it is that you value and what it is that you perceive without needing the enneagram to tell you that and then as you discover mm-hmm. those answers then then your type may be uh discovered i guess mm-hmm. so I guess the the next question for me would be, I guess, so like with your clients, when you have, when someone has it, it's not a bad story, but an unhelpful story, where does that lead them? And how's, how does that uh, affect their mm-hmm. outcomes? I can explain it in two sentences. They begin or they spend decades operating in a way where they only communicate what they know people need. And it's a miss because it's not what people think they need. Mm. Does that make sense? They've created a false story or, or a true story that does not create a bridge to the people they're trying to reach mm. because they have the insight and the decades of understanding to know, hey, this is how I can help you. But mm. the people are just going around saying, this is my felt need right now. And that felt need language has nothing to do with the solutions you're offering because I haven't even thought of those things. So no, I don't need that. I need what I'm feeling now to be resolved in my heart. Hmm. So uh, like uh, the old adage, don't create a solution in search of a problem, right? Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yeah. 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 Create um, Seth Godin. Yeah. He says something like, don't like create solutions for your customers, not customers for your solutions. Yeah, um, that'd be a good way. Yeah, that's another way to put it. Switching it out. Yeah, yeah, and I think that goes back to outcomes and and trying to create these like certainty moments in your life. Like I will find my type, or I will find my number. Like, and then I will have clarity hmm. in myself. Versus just stepping more into the story. Hmm. One of my favorite poets is Mary Oliver, 
and she's a Pulitzer Prize winning author from the early 1900s. She was born like middle of Ohio. I think she just died a couple years ago, actually. Yeah. Um, kind of in that Maya Angelou vein. And she says something to the effects to the effect of there are so many stories more beautiful than answers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I think that really speaks to the thing that we think we want and how sometimes if it's if it's off kilter a little bit, it can really dislodge us from being in the moment and and experiencing what is when our projection of our identity is, is somewhere else. So what's, what is another thing in, in story that can really help us see more clearly what it is we're here to do and mm-hmm. just see reality a little bit more clearly? Yeah. So aspirational identity is kind of where you start and then you move to the uh, character want, mm. which is usually pretty easy. It's either the solution or in, you know, the case of trying to guide someone to what they really want. It is that more of that felt need. So what are you trying to buy? What are you trying to resolve in your mm. life? And then the best way to segue from that is into the problem. And this is where I think the framework can really help is the problems divided into three sections. It's divided into external, internal, and philosophical. And most of the language that we speak, most of the language that we live in is it's just in the physical. Mm-hmm. It's just, this is my roadblock. This is my hurdle as I run this. This is my wall I can't get over. And we just spend so many conversations complaining about that or even just defeated by it. And then um, we never talk internally how that's making us feel. So the internal is how does that external problem make you feel? And then the philosophical is kind of that deepest root of why is this bothering me? Why is this wrong? Like, and usually there's a sense of justice that happens in philosophical, like this shouldn't be this way because of this, or I deserve better, or I deserve this or you deserve this. Mm. So those are the three ways to kind of open up the problem versus just, oh yeah, like I understand, like you need a place to leave your dog when you go travel. So here's a, you know, a dog hotel. And then Mm. it never really gets to like the other fears they have. Like I'm nervous. I'm nervous that my dog's not going to have any friends or it's not going to be treated well or taken care of or things like that. And, like my dog is my child. It deserves to have a great place when I'm away. And I don't want to be thinking, oh, he's there. So that's kind of like opens yeah. it up and really helps you connect more with people. Mm. Yeah. So aspirational identity, character want, and then problem being external, yeah. internal, philosophical. and philosophical. Yeah, mm-hmm. that does strike me as uh, really helpful when it yeah when encountering personality type. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. especially with the Enneagram, right? Because a lot of our pursuit of wanting to know more about ourselves it comes from a place of having an aspirational identity that is something different than what we're currently living, right? And then the Enneagram works at this level of these are these kind of core desires or wants, right? That mm-hmm. that we really develop an operating system <laughs> that works well most of the time, but then also creates problems for us, right? These the external problems, internal conflicts, mm-hmm. philosophical issues, you know, that, that we're trying to reconcile and figure out as we go about our days, you know, in our weeks, in our lives. And so I, that's a helpful even progression, even at that point, I think, for <laughs> thinking through, okay, uh, who am I, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. how do I make sense of the, this personality that I have? And I think even using that as uh, you react against something. Yeah. Like, especially if you're still trying to find your type, like ask, like, what's what's the external problem? How does that make me feel? And then go into that philosophical. So let's, uh, can we give some examples? Um, type specific, mm-hmm. perhaps? Like David, seven, right? Could you give an example of like using that framework to kind of understand your motivation and and why things, why this certain thing bugged you or something like that? Take your time. Yeah. Every time I have a reaction to something, I treat it as a secondary thing to an emotion that I'm having. And then that emotion that I'm having is I go then to the third step of why is this bothering me? So Mm. the external, internal, philosophical. 
Okay. So that, that really helps me. The reaction is the external. The internal is the feelings I have that cause that reaction. And then I think back to why does that bother me? And that's mm-hmm. my philosophical. So yeah, yeah. as a seven, yeah, trapped. I don't, I don't, I don't like when I'm in a space that traps me. <laughs> they can't see, but you're physically squirming right now. In your- <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in your chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like people say, I don't, I, I don't sit still on Zoom calls. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and for most of the time, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to display. I want to feel like there is always an option, mm-hmm. and. That's my external reaction that's usually triggered by, I, I, I just want to be out of here right now. This conversation, this space, this moment. And it's typically, and I recognize it's typically because I see this as a waste of time or yeah. I see it as not serving me in some way. And yeah, that's, yeah, it's me being vulnerable in that sense. But it, it, it allows me to go, okay, why? And then often I'm able to flip the script back to go, no, this person is like, there is value in this conversation. There is value in what I'm doing right now. Efficiency does not matter in this moment. It will not bring you the happiness you're looking for. Things like that. So, yeah. Abram, are there any corollaries coming up for you as far as like any triadic nature in those, in those three steps? Thanks for including me. My brain is not working. I'm just enjoying uh, observing so far. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, what do you want? What gets in the way of that? It's it's your. It's you were just. I thought you were saying, "What do you yeah. want? Creep? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want from me?" That's a very nice thing. <laughs> no, I mean, one way to look at it, I guess, is, you know, you can think of any type. Uh, as a strategy, as uh, the way that you are separate from the world in your sort of, if your Enneagram type is the form your consciousness takes, the way that you are separate from being in the moment, it is your ego. And so your ego is I am. And so I am this, and that means I'm not that. So what do you want? Well, what I want is the thing that will not undermine me getting what I want. So mm-hmm. I want peace. So what gets in the way of that conflict? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can see that is right there, the p- ego is polarity so that's the polarity that's mm. the first that's the right away it shows me what do you want i want peace it gets in the way of that conflict that's the polarity um mm. so then that's the then that that sets up I, what i think i heard was the internal experience mm-hmm. uh, of i'm afraid of what's the what's the fear for the nine of you know being disconnected so then philosophically how can i the t- the story i'm telling myself is what that I will be disconnected. Well, can I philo- philosophically reframe that in a positive way? Uh, no, I'm. I'm. Uh, my personality is telling me this is a always a bigger deal than it actually is. Can I stand up for myself? Can I show up? Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. I can. Now that I question the validity of what yeah. I've, how fear is kind of taken over, but it can only be done after you kind of step back and philosophize about the the polarity that that is kind of reinforcing who you think you need to be. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's good. I also think it, it seems to be somewhat of an operational guide, you know, the, mm. see the story brand script so far to what I've tried to do with settling statements in the Enneagram, right. Which is folk, each type has a core, kind of a core want, but often settles for something that's less than best because they don't think they can get what they want. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, picking on myself here as a type three, you know, I have this, aspirational identity of being a valuable human being, you know, wherever I go. And I really want to be deemed worthy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I want to be deemed worthy and valuable wherever I go. But I question that and therefore I settle for image that I can craft, you know, and so you, you see all these kind of type three behaviors of shape-shifting and, you know, being the chameleon of the Enneagram and saying yes to things that maybe are incongruent with who they are, right? And overachieving and overproducing, you know, all these external responses that come from this internal space uh, problem of I'm not valuable or worthy, right? I'm not valuable Mm -hmm. or worthy. And then, and then uh, if we ever let ourselves get to that philosophical level, right? And then we're like, 
wait, am I ever valuable or worthy? What would make me valuable or worthy? And then we kind of implode into this existential crisis, <laughs> you know, that is yes. kind of the experience of the three, but it, it does come from that place of that, I think that core want that each type kind of has that they don't think they can get, right? That, and the personality then kicks in in such a way that it creates these problems mm-hmm. that uh, uh, oftentimes feel like solutions, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they're kind of quick fixes, right? They're quick fixes that don't really resolve the issue, right? The, the image that comes to my mind is like droppings, like the whole, okay, this is a better analogy, where like you get things no, this isn't a good analogy either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know. Like you drop something on the floor just so you can pick it up to feel like you did something. That's kind of a stupid analogy. But I think that in some ways our personalities will do that. We'll, we'll, like we'll create drama or we'll, we'll create situations in which you feel insignificant or you feel whatever just so y- mm-hmm. you feel some some level of control or... I'm trying to think of a personal example. Um, well, okay, for me, I do know that there are there are times when I I've gotten so much better at this, but I can remember childhood situations in which I would try to make other people not like me, or in order for them to well, in order to prove my own belief about myself, and then I'd feel bad, and then hope someone would rescue me. It's it's a sick <laughs> it's a sick mm-hmm. uh, cycle, but. Uh, or, or or try to um, yeah try to make people feel bad for me even though like uh, it, it wasn't necessary trying to get that level of connection and love that a four is often looking for but just like making it instead of accepting it as a fact if that does that make any sense at all no cool <laughs> no I, I think it does <laughs> yeah I think I think what what we're all speaking to are the default scripts, right? That we, mm-hmm. that our personalities tend to operate under. And I think David, what you're talking about is a, there's a deeper narrative, you know, mm-hmm. that we can step into. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the components along the way to help you understand that. Would yeah. that be accurate? Absolutely. It It's maybe you guys can speak into this, but as a seven, it's a, it's really tiring to be labeled as fun, as a fun person. Yeah, I've heard as a lot like, of stuff oh, say yeah. that. Yeah. It's a burden, yeah, like, right? Oh, you're fun. It, well, it's a love-hate <laughs> relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like fun, yeah, but that's my settling statement in a way. Like, <laughs> I want to be grateful. I want mm. to be humble. I... I want to release the tension I feel or the this like I'm strapped to fun in order to have meaning and purpose in my life. Hmm. Like I hate fun. I'm hmm. fun I'm a grinch in that sense. Like <laughs> I hate that I that I have to use it to provide meaning, but at yeah. the same time I love true fun and it got to a point where I could not fully enter into a really deeply meaningful, fun moment for a time because I was afraid it would end. And when it would end, I would end. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's the only way to actually experience the legitimate thing that you're, you're after is to kind of come to the end of realizing you can't get it uh, in the way that you've been getting it before. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. And kind of recognizing that the previous way you've been getting it, it's like it's been like a drug fix. You have to keep coming back for more. So it's actually never been satisfactory in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really resonate actually with the kind of a, this expectation of needing to be the person who provides fun all the time. Me, not really fun, but um, you know, when growing up, that your 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 type is this this. Uh, strategy for getting your needs met and that's the way that you were most sensitive um, for various reasons right but but then you identify with it so much that that's all you think you are and then the the longer you live uh, the more you realize this isn't kind of enough this isn't getting me as far as I think I, I I'm gonna go next you know mm-hmm. so that's where it yeah. starts to break down right you, you really kind of mm-hmm. have to come to the end of, end of your the version, the fragmented version of yourself to find out there's more to you. Mm. 
Yeah. The, the wolf catches up at yeah. least for me, <laughs> the, yeah. the wolf I'm running from and I try and out fun it from catching me. So I just <laughs> go for it. I just yeah. go for it and I have fun. And so I don't have to turn on and face it mm. until for me, it was three years ago. I, I remember like in my mind, in my mind's eye, like turning around, going to the end of this dark tunnel. And there is the face of like this dark wolf, like something from the gray out of Liam Neeson. And like <laughs> right there, this big dark wolf. And it was loss for me, loss of my family, my mm. greatest fear. Mm. Yeah. And to just like, okay, I'm not going to choose fun anymore. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to look it right in the eye. I'm going to pet its face and say, enough. Like, mm. even if enough, wow. like I will yeah, not, yeah. I will not keep pursuing the facade of fun in order to evade you. Mm. I will bring you into the light and I will hold you knowing you will always be there as a potential, mm. but I will not try and outrun you anymore. It was a huge help for me as a seven to not motivate me pursuing fun for the sake of escape, but for the point of like, entering into the fun that was already there, entering into the goodness mm -hmm. of the moment that it was already there. I didn't have to provide the goodness, but I was just yeah. entering into it with, with, with wolf in tow. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here entering the goodness. This is what I fear. This is what I love mm. and I'm alive and I'm in my story. Yeah. I'm just picturing the next time we have a co-host gathering and David shows up with a wolf like under his arm. <laughs> Seriously. I'm going to put on my wall and just kill a wolf and have it right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what I'm, what it's, what's kind of coming together in my head a little bit is whether you like it or not, you have a story and, and if you don't stop and think through your story, it doesn't matter what you think your story is, how you're living is your story. Mm -hmm. So you could say you want this, but your, your patterns of thought and your actions are actually saying you want this other thing. So mm -hmm. your story is actually completely different than what you think that you want. So this, the stepping mm -hmm. into what is, what, what do I want? What is my external problem, my internal problem, my philosophical problem, more and, and other things in that area? And then once we're able to step into that, then we can rewrite. And this is where like the next question would, would come is we rewrite our story and be like, oh, I see how I'm living from a different story than what I actually want. And until you clarify what you actually want, uh, you'll never actually live into the story that you're hoping for or or actually wanting because we're, we're kind of at this point where we're stuck on the problem of our story right? mm. <laughs> <laughs> on the brand script journey so maybe yes. we can get continue you know, and that's stressing me out david i gotta know uh, as a four i want to stay at the problem let's just stay <laughs> at the problem but but i mean mm. i'm curious then yeah in terms of your the brand script and the and, you know story brand framework what comes next then okay yes. once we've identified these this kind of triadic problem right yeah what's next yeah. That is what I love about the framework is we move to empathy and authority oh, before we move snap. to solution. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Say that one more time. What I love about the framework is we move then to empathy and authority, not solution. That's hard for us efficient threes. <laughs> so help help us. <laughs> oh man. Okay. We're good at solutions. Yes. Start with empathy. Um, empathy and authority. Yeah. What, what do right. you mean by that? I'll start by saying that empathy is often confused as philosophical, like, oh yeah, an internal empathy. But an internal empathy is your philosophical. An external empathy is a true empathy in this statement here. So it's not, mm. I deserve better. It's not empathy with yourself. It's empathy in the sense of bringing language and understanding to the issue at hand, to the philosophical, to the external, internal, mm. and philosophical. Like, um, I understand is a good way to start an empathy sentence. Mm. Um, and that's coming from a seven who needs to understand what feelings are. Often my... <laughs> 
Enneagram yeah. six wife will say, will say, uh, David, that's not a feeling. Like, how do you feel today? <laughs> I feel like the rug just jo- dropped out from underneath hmm. me. That's a sensation, David. That's not a feeling. <laughs> yeah. This is why I have uh, my mood meter yes. always with me. Yes. So that to expand my vo- vocabulary mm. range. Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, yeah. Empathy is, I understand this is what you're facing externally. I understand this is how it's making you feel. And then that, un- that empathy bridges the relationship. That's where the bridge comes in. It's now, th- this is the best way to describe empathy. I talk about your problems like you talk about your problems. It's using the same language. And then that makes a connection to go, oh, this person does know what I'm going through. But yeah. until you talk about their problems in the way that you that they experience them and feel them in their words, in their language, getting back mm-hmm. to what they're they think they want, not wow. what you know they need, then yeah. they will feel and often it's genuine because you've been there. A mother who's miscarried can share the same language as another mother who's miscarried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the connections in marketing are evident, right? As to why you, you want to cultivate empathy for your customers or clients so that you can connect with them. It also strikes me as, since we're talking about story as it relates to personality, that there's um, there's a relational and communal component, right? Like our stories don't exist in a vacuum and, and it requires these connections and bridges, right? From mm-hmm. one to mm-hmm. another in order to, you know, live live a good healthy story right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah stories are connected okay so i'm in europe right now really learning how to be more comfortable in uncomfortable situations learning how to notice when my type pattern is taking off and and seeing when my fear of how i'm going to be perceived is stopping me from doing a very very simple task and so to step into like speaking the language of my quote unquote inner child of the ways in which I've I've normally got my needs met of like withdrawing or pretending to be aloof and hoping that someone will notice me to help me being able to talk and like, I know you're scared. The other side of me, the inner child is like, no, I'm not, I'm not scared. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's like, no, but you are like actually talking the language that they understand I don't like to admit how young I am inside at some at certain points. Yeah. Mm. I remember Seth you came and we went mountain biking. Mm. Trail riding and you had bare feet? Probably. <laughs> sounds about you, right. forgot, you forgot you <laughs> forgot shoes. <laughs> we're on trails right. like we're on some <laughs> legit bikes, suspension everything, <laughs> like bumps, inclines and Seth is behind me with shoes and we're passing people that rather they're passing us because mm. we're, you know, the newbies at this and they have the full gear on the skin tight stuff, the yeah. helmets and everything. I don't even think you had a helmet. Nope. And we had a moment where I was like, how do you feel? Or you mentioned, you just mentioned like, I care so much about what they, what they're thinking about me as mm-hmm. they pass by. And I make up stories about how they're thinking about me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't, it never crossed my mind mm. at all. Um, I was thinking, wow, they they seem like some cool people to bike with. Like, we probably <laughs> would be great friends. <laughs> like, why wouldn't we be great friends? <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, that's great. And that's having, I understand statements. Um, so that's, that's definitely practical. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Using that with yourself as well. Talking about it, yeah, I think the biggest recap is just talking about it in the same language that they're expressing it mm. and pick up. And that requires listening. So mm. seven, three, listen. Like How dare you? I can just close <laughs> my mind. <laughs> I can just close my mouth for a second and just yeah. listen. Mm. I can be twice as empathetic because I'm just repeating words. You'd be surprised at how many clients I record my Zoom calls. Drew, here's, I'm just, I'm the magician breaking out the trick now. And here's the brilliance. I record the Zoom calls. This is what I paid for. (laughs) Yeah, this is what you pay for. I ask, you pay for the questions. The questions emerge, the answers that are recorded. 
I write your words back to you, but I mm. take all thousands of your words and I bring back to you the words I think matter most. Yeah. And you go, that sounds like me. Well, it does. It was your words because yeah. it's your insight. My goal as a story brand guide is not to put random words on a page that I come up with because I've spent three hours with your business, not yeah. 300 hours with type right, trail. Right. Yeah. And so empathy it's, no, again. It's valuable. Yeah. Kind of, it kind of reminds me in a in a different way, but in a similar way. What a therapist does, they mm. don't give you the answers. They take how you are fragmented and show you how to sort of feel yourself. It's all there mm. already. They're mm-hmm. just helping guide you in uh, what how you how you've been disconnected from yourself and the ways that mm. uh, you've sort of zeroed in on one part of you and it's not working anymore. Empathy is mirroring. Okay. Yeah. So how does that lead us into authority? The best way I can say that is in three words, which is why it sets up what you're about to say that's going to sound braggadocious with purpose behind it. It's So it's stepping into the authority you already have. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. It's oh. stepping into an authority that's motivated by empathy. Yikes. Oh, that's even better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's not, I'm the savior. It's I'm the rescuer and Mm -hmm. I've been where you are and I'm coming back to help you. I'm Gandalf that went to the end and came back to come and help you. Come back Mm -hmm. to help. Yeah. And this is why I can set myself up to help you is because I've gained your trust by showing you that I empathize with you. I've earned your trust in a deeper level on the philosophical side by saying this isn't right. And then I've created space to talk about how you're feeling about your problem. And then I've named your problem. And then I've also entered into an aspirational identity that you want to be at a core level. So all of that leads up to you talking about how you can help. And most businesses are like, you have this problem? Here's my answer. And here's Mm -hmm. how I'm qualified to do it. People don't Mm -hmm. care about if you're qualified to do it for this reason. They don't need an authoritative solution to begin with. They need a relevant solution to their problem. So empathy-fueled authority stewarded mm-hmm. to help, right? Mm-hmm. Used to help, not harm, mm-hmm. right? Not conquer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a child psychologist named Dan Siegel who, who talks about how when you before you correct your kids, he kind of uses two C's connect and then correct hmm. like y- your kid is not going to hear you if you don't connect with them first if you think about like i'm not going to tell my wife hey while well, she's in the middle of something hey go do this for me she's gonna be like what no hmm. <laughs> and, and we don't realize that that's exactly what we do to our kids i have to connect first and then when you see that i'm with you that i'm I'm uh, being empathetic with you. I see where you're at. I, hey, bud, I realize you're doing this. But now, can you go and do this for me? It's considerably more likely. I'm going to wow. hear you. I'm going to have... I, you've been with me. Now I know. I'm, mm. most, I'm okay. I'm safe with you. I'm going to trust you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That ties in so so good to just on a personal individual level of before we before we kind of try to fix our behavior or whatever, we first have to tune into, okay, well, what am I, what am I feeling right now? What's happening Mm -hmm. in my body and listening to that and being empathetic with that. And then we can go into, okay, but I, I know this isn't true about myself. And if I know this isn't Mm -hmm. true about myself, then why am I acting as if it is true? And that's where the correction comes in. I guess yeah. some would call it like the hi- the higher self, like listening to your child self and, and helping them move beyond that limited perspective. Yeah, in a way you're kind of like empathizing with yourself, mm-hmm. your higher right. self with, your, yeah. with who you're trying to reach. Exactly. Um, so we've we've gone through like this first, I guess, half kind of of your story and how to understand what it is you want and uh, and all this other stuff. So it's it's confronting what you think and understanding what you're thinking. Thinking is great. 
But if you don't do anything with your thoughts, then they're <laughs> kind of pointless. So we're now kind of moving more into action oriented. How do we make a really clear and concise plan to implement better stories within that get you to where you want to go, basically. So David, help us move into that more action-oriented side of the equation. Authority is pretty simple. We're really good at talking about how we can help people. And so typically this goes pretty quickly. The next thing is into the process. So if you're in a strictly marketing business role, typically one, two, three, just a very easy idea. There's psychology behind that, psychology behind zip codes, Hmm. why zip codes are only six, why phone numbers are nine, uh, just a lot easier to memorize. Hmm. So one, two, three, um, the process just really quick. And we we use the third step of the process to help vision cast what success looks like. So step one, schedule a call. Step two, what your actual interaction is with somebody and then step three what life looks like after they've engaged with you so it's not the third step of anything isn't um the third step of anything isn't just oh you get to work with me (laughs) the third step isn't like oh yeah like it's a win for me the third step is uh actually achieving what your aspirational identity is so that's really key in any process Hmm. to me that sounds like like the, the, you have to kind of figure out the third step first, correct? And so like, what is it that you want to accomplish? And then finding out the first step of like, okay, this is how I'm going, well, this is what I'm going to do to accomplish this. And then the action mm-hmm. step is in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like the doing is in the middle. Exactly. And the third step is very, very tied to your target audience and the culture behind your target audience and even the timing of your culture. So thinking through what do they want? Do they want something more practical? Do they want something more aspirational? So like that's something that's really important there. Um, I think of like marketing from the fifties, which was definitely more philosophical or uh, practical. Like we still have a shoe store downtown. It's that uh, their tagline is shoes that fit. And that's one. (laughs) That works. Every time I go by, I'm slightly drawn every time until I see what the shoes actually look like. But again, that's a millennial problem. That's not a Mm. greatest generation problem. And then the uh, we move right into the call to action. And at this point, people are like, "Oh yeah, like book a call, schedule this, do this." But the problem is often they lose so many people because the way that they talk about that call to action creates resistance Hmm. and is it creates resistance. And the other thing it does is it's not authentic to who they are. Hmm. So bringing that home, um, not to step on any toes, I'm stepping on my own toes here, but your call to action should be a helpful action not an expected action, not what the, not what society wants you to do or expects you to do or culture or whatever family, but what is most helpful to you achieving your aspirational identity. What I, what I love about that is I think when we get into delve into this realm of our stories, right. And kind of contend with our, our wants and all of our problems. And I think it can easily seem pretty overwhelming. There's so much to contend with. And and what you're saying is so that your framework that you're introducing is okay, a simple three step plan that leads to a direct call to action. <laughs> so let it and that and I know that's what that's what your your process does on the marketing side is we are laser focused on this one call to action, right? Hmm. We want the client to do this one thing. And I wonder if that could be helpful in this kind of esoteric, <laughs> you know, yeah. some sometimes complex world of the Enneagram, like, hey, what if, you know, delving into the stories uh, of ourselves and the roles that the personality plays? What if we come out of that with a simple kind of three-step plan to help us do one thing, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like to do one thing that we really, that is helpful to us, not what the world expects of us, right? And authentic, hopeful and authentic. authentic. Yes, and authentic, right? Mm. Probably to that aspirational identity and to that want, right? 
um, that we've identified earlier on, right? That sounds hopeful to me, right? Because it can easily, we can easily get tangled in <laughs> uh, this intricate, complex web of Enneagram stuff, right? That can sometimes uh, not be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like just a, a real practical uh, way of, well, now that I know my type, what, what do I do with it? How do I use it? Yeah. What's the point of that? And, and maybe mm-hmm. creates a pathway to, do, okay, what is the next right step for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I've heard it said from a friend, you don't have to boil the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just one thing at a time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said it, Drew, at the beginning, you said like, most people just go chase another story because they don't want their story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that right. is the, to me, that's the biggest um, shame and threat to not taking yourself through some framework like this. Once you know, is you just go, oh, I'm going to go on social media and try and, live someone else's story because it looks better mm. than mine and or this person yeah. is my hero and then I drop my past or mm. I drop the weight of this instead of incorporating into this beautiful um, restorative inspiring story of overcoming mm-hmm. something yeah um, yeah everything belongs it, after all right yeah everything belongs after all another Mary Oliver quote like just mm. the idea of like somebody gave me a really dark black box. And it wasn't until later that I realized that that was a gift too. We think our dreams will give us meaning. And, and though it's, it's great to dream, but I think what we want is meaning in our stories. But sometimes we think that our ultimate dreams of, I don't know, rich, famous, and handsome or whatever, like is the, is the thing that will create the meaning. But that's not, but that's not at all the case when we have that purpose, when we have that clarity, then we can have the more adaptive action that will get us to the place, not get us to a place at all. It's not a destination. Again, it's a, it's an evolving into more and more understanding of why or what I'm here to do and how to actually enjoy what's happening right now, regardless of the situation. That's so good. Creek. That's it. Like I, I need to, to hear you say that so that I could say that to my clients. Story reminds us that we don't have to be somewhere or accomplish something mm. to have meaning in our lives, that it's already all around us. Mm-hmm. It's already there. That's what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And in, in fact, putting our hopes in the ideal is what keeps us from always leaving here from being okay yeah. with right now. Absolutely. Mm-hmm being okay with the fact that this right now is part of the journey. And if I don't stay here, I won't get what I'm actually yeah. trying mm-hmm. to get. David, you said at the very beginning when you were trying to describe what you do, uh, a central theme was clarity, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that could, could be something that could feel elusive to someone who's wanting mm-hmm. to wade into the murky waters of <laughs> one story th- at these stages of, you know, aspirational identity mm-hmm. and character want and problems and empathy and authority and call to action. Mm-hmm. Help, help us understand, okay, how by going into this, this journey of rediscovering our story, how does that help us find clarity and, and, and what tips may you, uh, would you have for us in making sure that we're not getting, you know, too kind of in our head or, you know, too buried under the complexities, mm-hmm. you know, of our story. Clarity bridges the gap to meaning and it, it opens us up to go, okay, what is around us? What story are we in? And ultimately my main goal for, of a brand script is clarity. It's not just, again, the story is the savior, but mm-hmm. it's nuanced. It's evolving. Clarity mm-hmm. is not certainty. Uh, um, that's good. Yeah. Clarity isn't, frustrating because it's not tied to how well you do something Hmm. either. Just because you have years of experience in something doesn't mean you have clarity around it. And there's not an ease that's replicated in your experience that's replicated in the clarity of even describing how you do it. And true clarity doesn't just bring you to a place where you feel good about yourself now, but often it inspires you for what's next. I think mm-hmm. that's how I see clarity really just lighting up everything else. It's it's like a light on your journey. 
Mm-hmm. And you enjoy the journey so much more with a lantern in your hand than you do just mm-hmm. going. The, the lantern isn't, doesn't say, isn't a GPS. The lantern is mm-hmm. not a GPS. The lantern is just there for you as you walk. Mm-hmm. And it gives you this sense of like just gently guiding you and helping you pick up things along the way that yeah. matter most to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a seven, I don't want to go through this life and and miss out on the things that mattered most to me because I was chasing something else. And clarity allows me to remember what those things are. And to a framework like this helps me look internally. It's a really great tool to help me internally look and go, okay, what matters most to me? How do I measure my days? What problem am I trying to solve right now? How am I feeling about this? And so if we can arrive at clarity rather than certainty at the end of our story, um, you think about the things that you remember most about stories as your connection with the hero and not just the end result. Mm-hmm. And so if you step into a movie, you watch the last five minutes of the movie, you'd be lost. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, yeah. and the clarity, some of the best moments of, of movies are when Jason Bourne finds out who he really is. Mm. And it's just like, ah, oh, I was waiting for this. Or everyone comes together after a deep, you know, the story arc where it's like darkest before the light mm-hmm. and everyone's sitting there and they have a big battle the next day. And it's like, okay, we're here. What matters most? It's you and I sitting on a mountainside. It's Thor and Loki on the edge of a cliff looking out mm-hmm. going, what matters most to us before they go fight the rest of the battles? Mm-hmm. And that's clarity. And what I love about this, and I'll stop talking about clarity, but what gives me goosebumps about this is that clarity centers you to the point that you're okay dying the next day because you found what you're looking for. It was never mm-hmm. about the ending. It was about the fact that you are centered in yourself and whatever comes next is okay. Hmm. You know what you're fighting for. Yeah, that's it. Dang. Yeah, I <laughs> drop right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Brene Brown. She says that you either walk into your story and your own truth, or you live outside your story, hustling for your worthiness. Well, that's good. Okay, then. Well, I hope y'all got some level of <coughs> clarity there it on is. what we were trying to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I, David, any... Um, I mean, you already had a pretty like massive mic drop, but yeah. Do, do you have any? I don't know. Parting words for those that are, are are still rather confused and not sure how to take the next step forward. Personally, clarity is worth the risk, even if it means uncovering things that you don't want uncovered. That's mm. worth. It's worth. Re, it's worth rediscovering. Is clarity seeing through the thing that you thought was getting you what you wanted? Seeing, seeing through it as the deception. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. It, it, it does yeah. seem similar to, and, and you mentioned this about yourself, David, discernment. You know, one of my favorite definitions of discernment that I stumbled upon when researching for the book was the ability to see beneath and through hmm. something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, I think of, when the fog clears, right? Literally mm-hmm. actually clears, there's clarity in the field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, have, you have this ability to see kind of beneath and through. Mm-hmm. That, well, that which is and, there, yeah. yeah, beneath, through, around, like yeah. Seth, like the, the three areas of like where you are as a person, like you're either looking and feeling good, trying to get back to looking and feeling good mm-hmm. or being in the moment going, what is happening in this moment? Mm-hmm. And if, and what clarity does is it takes away the first two and it goes into the third realm of I enter into a moment and I just go, what is happening in this What's moment? Here? Yeah. What's here? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Which kind of reminds me of that, um, that analogy from Nan Henson hmm. where she shakes the snow globe and uh, she says, you know, everybody thinks that a, a properly firing brain has all these different thoughts. But if you look at it, yeah. if you think of it through the idea of a snow globe, you can't see through a snow globe. You actually have to wait. You have to set. You have to settle down. You have to hold still, and all the snow falls through. Then you can actually see through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is actually kind of maybe one idea of, like I said in the 
in the beginning when I finally started speaking up that 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 uh, type is the form your consciousness takes. So without slowing down to question the narratives that are always playing, you won't be able to have any clarity because you'll still mm-hmm. be trying to get what you want through the way that's hindering you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David, where if people wanna if they wanna hire you for the work that you do, where would they find you? I have a website, Tofalon Consulting, T-O-F-I-L-O-N Consulting. I'm just going to assume you know how to spell that, .com. <laughs> and then from, from there, um, yeah, little contact box, or I have a Calendly link. You can just schedule a call with me. We can have a 25-minute conversation. I would love to speak and connect and talk more about that and what that looks like for you. So, yeah. I think that's, yeah, or on Instagram, on Instagram mm-hmm. as well. Detoffalon. And yeah, that's really it. David, thanks so much for coming and sharing um, your expertise. And uh, yeah. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Of course, you're welcome. Thank you. It was an honor. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time.